Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday hump day edition of the show kyle it is uh it is time to continue our series on the rookie first round quarterbacks from 2018 and there is a a special topic today and that is buffalo bills rookie quarterback josh allen welcome to the show go tigers and there it is i was obligated somebody asked me on twitter how many times i was gonna say go tigers so I was obligated to at least do one Ed Ogeron in honor of putting this stupid winning streak and national championship nonsense to bed. And thank goodness. I'll tell you, Twitter told me pretty early on that UCF beat LSU. And then everyone needed to be reminded that they keep score the entire time. And oh, it, yeah. it was the, the, the score was actually within eight. But that game was not a one-score game. If you watch, I mean, outgained by right. three hundred like yards. Third, third string. It was like the entire third-string defense for LSU. <laughs> right, right. So, all right. I think, they, I think Brad. I think Brad. Brad in the the slack said yes. they had a wide receiver playing corner. They, they were down everybody. It's so okay. All right, UCF national yeah. champions. You're one and one, and now you've got Mississippi State, Alabama, Georgia, Arkansas, and Ole Miss to play the rest of the way. You're still undefeated. Are you still undefeated? Go Tigers. Go. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're not. They're not. No, they're not. Sad. You hate to see it. And then they got like all sassy about it on Twitter, too. <sighs> well, like, we just checked our mentions and oh boy, it's real salty. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. Like you didn't just go on like a 12 month freaking campaign bitching about how you make the playoff <laughs> last year and bitching that you got it left out again this year. You're right. But everybody else is the salty ones. Shut the hell up. You know, you know, Kyle. One of those things, man, where you, if you're going to be that brass for that long, you got to be ready for yep. it, right? You got to be ready for yeah, it. You you're going to know that the L is coming. Right. Yep. Right. Just take it in stride. Yeah. It's what I'm going to do on today's show. Oh, so no. That should be fun. <laughs> Don't say that because I'm expecting, I'm expecting some resistance here today. And, and I'll be honest with you, I want, I am going to clear my mind and, and I can do this, right? I, I think I'm not a fan goggles guy. I will give you very objective. Josh Allen opinions here on this show today, despite him being the quarterback of uh, Buffalo Bills, who my rooting interest lies. So uh, let's do this. Let's do this like we did all the others, starting off by talking about what we thought about Mr. Allen heading into the season. Do you want me, you want me to go first here or you you want to get yours out of the way? Uh, let me get mine out of the way. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read the report. Probably best. But I will tell you I had concerns listen like he still had i still have concerns with the same things i had concerns with it's just it what he does 
and what he did this year translated better than what I would have guessed that it would have. That's yep, all. That's fair. So Josh was a player. Obviously, physical traits are off the charts. Arm strength. His best 20 throws is probably the best 20 throw highlight of any of the quarterbacks. Bar probably Baker Mayfield, I think, from last year's draft class. Just the highlights. The highlights are spectacular. Uh, the concerns that I had with him were centered almost exclusively between the ears. I felt like the more variables you put around Josh, uh, the harder things were for him. The more mm-hmm. things broke down. The muscle memory wasn't there. Uh, the the greater variance you had in his accuracy as a passer and the, the more you didn't know what you were going to get with decision-making. So I took a player like that and I said, okay, this is a guy coming from a small school, smaller school, who I just – I don't – think the speed of the game is going to lend itself very well to him, especially early on. And mentally, I thought this guy had way too many holes to see the field early. And you know what? I'll give him credit and I'll give Buffalo credit because they slowed the speed of the game down a little bit with the style of play that he played this year. And that's a testament to the coaching that Dayball did. And uh, that offense and the, the entire team that they had there in Buffalo was they allowed him to read the field and he was willing to hold the ball and not throw the ball into coverage prematurely because he's going to get hit. So the concerns that I had with him are still present, but what he does well and what he did well this year was much more effective than what I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I think I wasn't super high on Allen coming in either. I had a third-run grade on Josh Allen. The, it, my report, I mean, if you look at it, I talk all about his physical gifts. I say things like he has this, this special ability. He can go as far as he can develop. If it all comes together, he can be special. And and I think it's very fair to, to focus on some of those big concerns like uh, decision-making, processing, accuracy, mechanics, uh, the fact that, he really floundered against top competition when when Wyoming played power five teams. He was awful. Uh, you you saw the from 2016 to 2017, 16. You're like, oh my god, this guy's got all the ability in the world. Let's just see him get better. And then in 2017, he got worse. Right? He literally got worse. And so there's 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 all these these indicators that were very prevalent in his assessment that gave you a lot of reason for caution. Okay. And, and and I think that you and I, as the way that we we eval players, is is we 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 take these traits one by one, and we discriminate against stuff that isn't up to par. And there's a lot that wasn't up to par with Allen. Now the 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 silver lining was always the physical upside, the arm strength, his mobility, and uh, and and just how dynamic those things together can turn into making plays. And um, so going in, the, the kind of what I want to set the tone here is, yeah, there was there was plenty of concerns, but the upside was, was evident, and obviously a lot of you know the Bills took him in the top ten. A lot of people liked Josh Allen a lot, right? So like there there were plenty of people that loved him. There were some people lukewarm, and then there was some skeptics. And I think that you and I were very much skeptics. I was probably a little higher on him going going in, but we we were very aware of these concerns and. The analysis was always so weird. I think that's kind of one of the things to distinguish right off the bat here, Kyle, was the it's not that anybody had any problems with Josh Allen, the, the person, but like the analysis surrounding him was always so stupid. Stuff like he's tall, he's big, 
he can throw the football a million yards. And it was never there was never any substance or anything that like you're like, what about the stuff that like really matters with quarterback play? And it was people were so like focused in that, that loved him on these things. And, like he's you're overlooking so much. And, and, and I think that's right. it's really important to distinguish that where people have been critical of Josh Allen in, in the draft process leading up. A lot of that criticism was really towards the analysis, to be honest with you. And, and so uh, here we are. Josh Allen finished his rookie season. And uh, let's shift gears there to uh, to what he uh, what we learned and what he illustrated on the field this season. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Uh, I'm going to defer to the guy that watched right. every yeah. single game he played. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead well, and lead us off here? I feel like I was talking for a while there, so I want to give you a chance to kind of to chime in. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I've watched every Josh Allen throw this year, uh, probably a lot of them multiple times just given the, the film work I do throughout the course of the week. Uh, what was his, his first before he was injured, Kyle? Uh, I, I, I was as a bills fan. I was, I was on the ledge, man. I, I, I wrote that piece about how Josh Allen was the worst thing about Buffalo's offense and how he limited, uh, his, his supporting cast that was bad. And, uh, uh, just all the concerns, all the things that you were, you would be nervous about. Now you saw some peaks, right? You saw some flashes, you saw some of that athleticism. He, you know, the, the game against Minnesota where he his his legs really showed, and then you saw a couple deep throws. But by and large, he was really bad to start his career. And, and I was like, I don't know that any of this stuff is fixable. And uh, then he then he had the, the the elbow injury, and I thought those four weeks off were the the best thing probably in hindsight that that could have ever happened to Josh Allen. Uh, and I wrote going into when before he came back to for the Jacksonville game, I wrote about how he was primed for a late season breakout. And I listed seven things that were really different about the Bills offense at the point where he was reinserted into the offensive lineup from the point where he he went out. And, and I think there there there, there were several things. I mean, namely Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie having a prominent role in the, re- in the receiving core and not relying on Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. 
and, and I think the infrastructure on him, I think Brian Dable, if you look at the if some of the, the reports and statistics on Brian Dable in this Bills offense this year, the most formations in the NFL. The most. He was trying everything. The Bills offense was horrible for so long. And I think being able to have some more speed to open things up outside, to be able to to have more of a sample size to understand the personnel and what they can do uh, really, really mattered for Josh Allen. But then also Buffalo entered the season with Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman as the two quarterbacks on the roster, Cal. That was it. And, and, and during that time that Josh was out, Buffalo brought in Derek Anderson. They brought in Matt Barkley. Those guys have already been signed to extensions because it mattered so much for him to have that veteran presence, guys that know how to prepare, guys that know that have been in NFL games that can give him that player's perspective more than Nathan Peter. And so I think all of these things working together led to what we saw in, in terms of the late season breakout where Josh improved in, in terms of his mental processing. He improved with his ball placement. He improved with being more of dynamic with his, with his legs in terms of scrambling and picking up yards when, when things weren't available and just more comfort in the pocket. And, and you saw a different player and a player that I, I am very from a bill from a fan perspective, could not be more comfortable with jo- with where Josh is all things considered heading into year two. And, and there's a lot of excitement based on what we saw when he came back from injury. Now, I think this is where it's important to make the distinguishment, because if Josh Allen is the player that he is right now after week 17 next year, then you have to be concerned, right? You have to see steps taken forward as a passer, in my opinion, with elevating. There's there's Josh for me. I thought what really helped him based on the games that I saw and, and I saw uh three games down the stretch after he came back from injury. So I saw about half the games that you did. Uh Josh is I mean he's got stones to stand in the pocket for as long as he does. Yeah. And I think that's really impressive. I thought the athleticism with the legs was like, dude, you got defenses don't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Because he he almost consistently breaks contain, makes the first guy miss. But how sustainable is this style of offense? And I'm I'm gonna ask this question to you as a Buffalo, somebody who who follows the team of Buffalo, and also somebody who analyzes the entire league and watches and grades film across the entire league in college football. On the pro level, besides Carolina, are they are they, are they going to have to model their entire offensive personnel and philosophy around the same blueprint that Carolina did? Because what other offenses run their offense this way with so many vertical shots that are kind of built in and otherwise it's just holding the ball quarterback tucks and runs. I just, isn't there a handcuff there? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I think Brian Dable just did such a masterful job of getting something out of this personnel that we're, we're going to get into the personnel and what it is and what it needs to be moving forward. And, and it's going it, to, it's very underwhelming. This is not an exciting group of playmakers. This is not an exciting offensive line. And so Brian Dable uh, was able to, to get the most out of it by, uh, by scheme. And, and Josh Allen had an awesome, awesome season running the football. And what's interesting about that, is 
very, very few actual called runs. It was a lot of stuff where he extended a play or, you know, he took off and run and created on a regular drop back. And, you know, like not, not like a little bit of like, that was an overwhelming percentage. And so I think there was a lot of, a lot of probably coaching to, to Josh that says, Hey, if you're not comfortable with what you see in terms of making the throw, take off. And, and he was given a lot of flexibility don't, don't to throw the ball. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. throw it. Don't throw it. And so, um, I do think there's a lot of scheme evolution that we need to see with the bills. And, and uh, Brian Dable's shown us that throughout the course of the season that he can do that. But now with an entire off season with Josh as the guy and, and building this thing around him, you, you like to see, you know, obviously that improve. Um, yeah. A lot of, a lot of weird things, not weird, just notable things kind of the, to, to mention with the bill scheme. Uh, 19.7% of Josh Allen's targets were 20 yards down the field. That's a ton. That's a ton of vertical passing. Uh, and, 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 I, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Is that, is that sustainable? No, I think, I think vertical passing needs to be a big part of what he does. Right. Cause that, he, right. that takes, that takes advantage of that arm strength, but I want to see that the vertical passing, I want to see the running, but I also want to see more manufactured and scheme throws for Josh. There there was never a whole lot of simplifying things. And, you know, you, you watch a lot of, a lot, a lot of offense, right. And, in, in, in the college level and the NFL level where it's, you know, it's pretty schemed up. You have a route combination and it, it maybe an option route and hit it, you know, and a quick game and stuff, stuff like that, that, that we're, we're not only did we not see that from Josh, but we need to see it moving forward. It's not Josh's fault, but him being able to execute within those types of things is going to make Buffalo's offense even more difficult to defend. Uh, and it's just something that needs to be there. I think it's you know, built Buffalo. When Josh Allen was drafted, AJ McCarron, Nate Peterman and him were in the three-way battle up until the last preseason game. And so there was never that opportunity for him to settle in and, and really be the guy. And I think that's going to be a big deal for him this season to get all the first team reps and for this team to truly be built around Josh Allen. Well, and I think you kind of inadvertently answered my question. I think it's really interesting because you talked about not having schemed throws and quote unquote simplifying things, right? Yeah. I think this was simplifying the offense for Josh. Because well, think about the things yes. that Josh struggled with in college. Understanding zone coverage and route combinations. And making the right decisions in those situations where you have to read multiple layers. And I think Josh is kind of like the inverse of so many of the guys in that capacity. And that's what makes him weird because he's an outlier. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah, no, as I you think, were as you yeah. were talking through that, that's kind of how it, it clicked in my head. Saying, sure, you were expecting them to simplify things, but then you think about what Josh Allen's strengths and weaknesses are, and it's like this this maybe this was the simplification in was a, to we, allow him in the weirdest way possible, right? Like I'm thinking, right, like, hey, right. I've got a slot receiver with an off you know, with a safety that's 10 yards off and this linebacker look like it's threading. I need to know that I have a quick hot there on a slant. It would get the ball out or a quick rocket screen or tunnel screen to, you know, to, to, just based on looks, reading those looks. I think Dable, that, that's the beauty of the Earhart Perkins offense where you, you do have a million different formations, but you just run the same stuff out of it. And, and, and that allows that allows for it to it to be simplified to scheme things open. But it's like down the field, you know, it's not you just don't see him. You don't see Buffalo running a very effective screen game, having a lot of check downs like that's the stuff that needs to be built into this offense. Like, great. Let's run. Let's run three verts, a crosser and, and let Josh Allen rip it down the field. But how about a safety valve? How about, you know, it was, it's that the type of more, right. more stuff right. built in that to make him more. Cause you know, I, we haven't, we've probably talked for 20 minutes now. We haven't even got into the, to, to the completion percentage, but I, I, I you know, it's, it's low 52.8%. Well, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to get into superficial numbers like right. that because that doesn't do justice for a situation no. like this because he is such a unique case. Right. But that's what I'm saying is like that those things are going to get better when he has more outlets. And, and that, that is part of mental processing is being able to go through the progressions, find the check down. But when he's able to have more of a short passing game to complement the vertical stuff, that's going to go up. Josh Allen, uh, yeah, like I said, 19.7% of his targets were 20 yards down the field. That's unbelievable. That's by compare. I mean, that's number one in the NFL. Just if you look at another quarterback, quarterback like, uh, I don't know, just Matt Ryan, 12.2% of his throws were 20, 20 yards down the field. Brady, 11.4. Watson, 11.1. Luck, 11. Josh Allen's at 19.7. The next closest is Trubisky at 16.8. Russell Wilson at 15.9. And then also, we'll talk about the supporting cast, and maybe this is a good transition. Josh Allen, number two in the NFL in drop percentage. 6.3% of his attempts were dropped. I mean, just just, just when it it, is bad. Bill's receivers just didn't catch the ball consistently. And and a big part of that. They should have put. They should have put icing on the ball, and I guarantee you, <laughs> Kelvin wouldn't have dropped it as much. Well, and that's a th- I mean, have you seen Kelvin Benjamin's numbers this season when he was with the Bills was just, uh, just horrible, Kyle. I mean, like, uh, and when he's your number one, and you're you're building, you're scheming a passing offense around him for him to uh, be, you know, be the featured point, and he's the passer rating when when Josh the passer rating when Josh Allen targeted Kelvin Benjamin twenty four point six percent. Or twenty four point six passer rate on sixty targets. It's almost like he should have been running routes with him before the games. Yeah, maybe that would have helped, Kelvin. So <laughs> once you get that out of your lineup, Andre Holmes, another the right. number two receiver, thirty nine point four passer rating when targeting those guys. Oh, Robert Foster, one hundred and twenty seven point two. You know, like. And yeah. we're talking about a UDFA who had limited co- contributions in at, at Alabama coming into his first action. And it, it just speaks to this supporting cast has got to get better. And I think it's time for us to kind of, and you know what? Now. This is the craziest part. I'm sitting here looking at Kelvin's stats this year. <laughs> he had a 37% catch percentage. Horrible. 23 catches on 62 targets. That's abysmal. That's your go-to guy. 
in your Holy first NFL God. action, that's your first your, your first throws in the NFL. Your freaking go to guys, Calvin Benjamin, with that type of crap. Well, it's not great. It's not great. Cal, what are the building yeah. blocks of this? Neither offense? is this offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is this offensive supported cast. Yeah, not great. Not great. Now remind me, Deion Dawkins, uh, Wyatt Teller, and who's the third one that's under contract? Russell Bodine, who broke line. his leg here. Well, he'll be ready for. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, but that's it. That's your your Bills offensive lineman under contract going into next season. Well, that's exciting though. And here's my question for you: What type? of players do they want up front? Like what's the, if you had to think of like an archetype of like, I don't want to say finesse, but like mobile guys, do they want their guards to be pullers? Do they want everybody to kind of have that inside outside zone type concept? Do they want guys that are going to drive you off the ball? What do you think is the next piece of this vision? Because they're going to have a chance to acquire those kinds of guys. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about the the types for what we've learned from Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. Hasn't been a lot of investments made in the offensive line. Right. We saw, they traded right. up for Deion Dawkins. Or, or, well, McDermott did. Bean wasn't there yet. Uh, Wyatt Teller was drafted. And then that's it. They they Everybody else has been there. Now they signed Bodine, Russell Bodine, and Marshall Newhouse. I think they just needed bodies. Um, but by and large, I mean, it wasn't – we haven't seen – you know, big investments in the offensive line to truly understand what the types are. And, and you know, I think obviously there's, there's I think, no identity here. I mean, no, you, you look no. at John Miller. Yeah, he's a free agent. Like Deion Dawkins. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. everybody's kind of just mishmashed hodgepodge together here. Yeah. And I know they like Jordan Mills. He's a free agent. He's a right tackle. I think Jordan Mills is really criticized more than he deserved. I think he's actually an average right tackle in the NFL, but like Eric Wood and, and Richie incognito, you know, losing both of those guys going into this season, unexpectedly, both of them uh, was, was a big deal for this offensive line. And, and, and Buffalo wasn't in position last year. Didn't have a lot of cap space to, to bring in the talent on the offensive line. And, and so that's going to need to be a big part of what happens this offseason. We've, we've talked about all of these rookie quarterbacks. It's the same guys, Kyle, right? It's the same players we've been talking about. Trent Brown and Matt Paris right. and Roger Saffold and Daryl Williams, all these guys. The bidding war is just going to be insane for these veteran offensive linemen because all the teams that need them are the ones with the rookie young quarterbacks and the ones with the rookie young quarterbacks all have a hundred million dollars in cap space. Buffalo is no exception. Third most cap space in the NFL. And so uh, I, I, Brandon Bean talked about that in his presser on Monday. And, and he, he said he wanted to be judicious in free agency and obviously build through the draft, but there needs to be some, some veterans added here to stabilize this unit in front of Josh Allen, give him that time, but also to get this running game going. The Buffalo bills running game was horrible. Outside of Josh Allen, well, Shady got to go. Well, he's not gonna. I think. I think that they're gonna keep Shady around. I think the important thing with Shady moving forward is he can't. You can't force him the football. Like he needs to be a part of the offense. He cannot be the focal point of the offense. He he, he had a down year, and I think a lot of that was the offensive line. But obviously, the, the skill set is diminishing. He's he's thirty, and and he you know he's a guy that really relied on that elusive ability, and so you saw it in small flashes. But by and large, this isn't shady that we've seen the previous you know that got him ten thousand rushing yards in the, in the in his career up to this point. Right, and you would even think shady with him and the skill set that he had, particularly when he was in Philadelphia, like in the prime of his career in his mid twenties, 
This was a guy that was catching his second year in the league. He caught 78 balls. Yeah. Shady caught 34 balls for 238 yards last year and one of the lowest yards per catch of his entire career. Yeah. Uh, should have been a bigger part of the left, offense. Yeah, should have been a bigger part of the offense. So, and as you said, 30 years old, and he's got a lot of mileage on him. Yeah. No, just 20, 2017, he had almost 300 carries. Yeah. 287 carries, 2017. So, uh, with 59 receptions as well. So, he had less than 200 touches last year, and still, like, even, even in the games that I saw of him, I saw, as I said, three games after Josh came back, Buffalo – just didn't look like he had a lot of life in his legs. No. And the Bills just don't have anything dynamic in the backfield, right? So getting that those players is is important. And and like I I've been I've done a lot of work on this running back class. I don't know how or why that's been like my focus in my early studies. But I think there's a lot of guys that Buffalo Buffalo has two, you know, a first, a second, a third, two fours, and two fives. So there's a you know, decent decent amount of draft capital here to work with, uh, as well as six sevens. They have ten total picks. There's players that Buffalo can get, I think, in the middle rounds. You look at uh, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. Uh, it, I did Bruce Anderson today from from North Dakota State. Uh, there's a long list. I mean, I, I'm, I'm scratching the surface here, but like Miles Gaskin from Washington. There are there's going to be mid round value at running back where Buffalo needs to kind of get some dudes here that can do some different things in this backfield to to give their some dynamic weapons. Obviously, getting things up front and getting some run blocking going is going to be really important because no none of these backs look good for Buffalo this year. I mean, uh, Chris Ivory, Keith Ford, Lashawn McCoy, Marcus Murphy all got a decent amount of carries. None of them produced. And so getting a new stable, really rebuilding the stable uh, and giving Buffalo something dynamic out of the backfield is would be really beneficial for Josh Allen in his development moving forward. All right, Joe. Well, I'm going to get you off your soapbox real quick, and we're going to talk about receivers for a second. OK, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is this is one one way to upgrade your passing offense is to improve your <laughs> pass catchers. You had mentioned over six percent of his targets were dropped. Uh, this is a group. Robert Foster was he, he was UDFA, right? Yeah, speed guy, ton of explosive plays. Zay Jones was the second year player in twenty seventeen or for twenty seventeen class second round pick. Made some nice strides this year. He looked pretty good in the games that I saw. Isaiah McKenzie, Deontay Thompson. Do I have a challenge for the Bills? All right, go sign Tanner Gentry off the Chicago Bears <laughs> freaking practice squad. To do what? <laughs> to play wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Josh yeah, and Tanner Gentry had some terrific chemistry at Wyoming. Okay, the Wyoming reference there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see them go. I mean, he's on the practice squad. Who the hell cares? Go get him. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I, th- yeah, I, got- I don't think this passing offense turns around without, I don't want to call it a volume receiver. But I think you need a do-it-all guy, right, to really put this group over the top. Yeah, need, need a difference maker here, Kyle, and that's why I'm gonna. I mean, it, they need an X, right? Like Foster as Aziz probably fine. Zay Jones, Isaac McKenzie working from the slot is is fine, but they need a dude, right? Like a guy that they can be their go-to guy. And Josh Allen needs that, right? Like we talked about it with Sam Darnold. We talked about it with Josh Rosen. All these young quarterbacks, they need to have their go-to guy, and, and Buffalo doesn't have it. So, you know, looking at free agency, if that's Tyrell Williams, somebody that they want to target. Uh, but also, I, I just feel like it's the draft. I think the draft's going to be a spot to get that player because you look at 
this draft class, you have DK Metcalf, who you and I have been oozing about for six months now. Uh, Calvin Harmon, you got and Keel Harry. If Buffalo can come away with one of those three players, maybe you add J.J. or Sega Whiteside to that mix, Riley Ridley. They can get a player like that to be kind of that a guy could separate, guy with some physical traits, with some length. I think that would be a, a really, really good step in starting to build this passing offense and giving Josh some dynamic weapons. Now, this is an interesting question that I had because this was something that came up. I had my mock draft last week, and I gave the Baltimore Ravens, and this will come back around to Buffalo in just a sec, gave the Baltimore Ravens Hollywood Brown, and Ravens fans were like, whoa, we want Nikhil Harry or we want Kelvin Harmon. We want a guy with size. But then you think about Lamar's strengths and weaknesses. And Lamar, I think, is a passer that would benefit from the established separation more than a catch point guy because Lamar's more of a general accuracy type thrower, especially to the boundary, mm-hmm. than a pinpoint accuracy type guy. So I would rather get go out and get a receiver for him that when he throws the ball, you know the separation's going to be there. Do you personally trend one way or the other for Josh because Josh is a guy that doesn't have consistency with the pinpoint accuracy. I think a lot of times he's more of a general accuracy type thrower. Yo, yeah, the separate. I mean, that's why I get so excited about DK Kyle because he is because right, you of get that, both. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, obviously that would be the ideal thing is to get a guy that does all of that. And I, I mean, I can, I can be swayed either way. It's hard to say. I mean, but the Bills had Andre Holmes and Calvin Benjamin who are big, long dudes, but like power forward types, but aren't can't play that way. And so it's hard to. It's hard to say that Josh wouldn't excel with that. I mean, obviously the ball skills are, are, need to be really important. The guy that can adjust and go get it at the catch point. So, I mean, I I, I just thought it was interesting both, because man. two of the three <laughs> names that you mentioned were yeah. Nikhil Harry and Calvin Harmon, who are not separation guys. I want, yeah, I want a true ball skills guy, a guy that has some catch radius and some length. So I want that. But what I really want is DK Metcalf. That's what I really want. I think that'd be the best thing Buffalo can do is get a guy a three level threat. He's big, you know. He he can extend vertically. He can create after the catch. So I mean, he has the upside to be the you know a dynamic one of the premier receivers in the NFL. So that's my right. biggest desire is him. So hopefully that can happen. Was I, I realistic one, today? You you were, and I think just at one closing thought here with all of this. Yep. Yep. We talked about Josh Allen and what he is going into the league. Very raw. Very very raw. With 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 really poor final season at Wyoming on an offense that had no veteran leadership in terms of that quarterback room with bad receivers, with no dynamic running game, with an offensive line that needs completely overhaul. And what he was able to do late this season is all that more impressive. And so really comfortable with where Josh is. And, and and I think there's, there's reason to be excited. He needs to get better. The scheme needs to get better. The players around him need to get better, but there's there's hope. <laughs> there's hope for Josh and this offense to be uh to be a fun group for a long time. Okay. You feel you feel good? Yeah, I do. I, I do. know it's you, you say that every night before you go to bed in the mirror, right? That whole monologue <laughs> not, that you just gave everyone on the not show. Not for the last not for the first eight weeks of the season, Kyle. <laughs> not, not for the first eight weeks. I was well, thinking about Tua and Trevor Lawrence and and uh, you as the quarterback. You know, I mean, it was bad. I'm glad. Really bad. I'm glad the Miami Dolphins could boost Josh Allen's touchdown totals this year. Really glad that we could 
get him near 500 for the uh, the touchdown interception ratio this year. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Doing our part, I suppose. Yeah, you'll probably get a couple more next year with the the way that sounds like that team's going to be going. Embrace the suck the roster long term. It's embrace the me. suck. I uh, I don't do good with suck. Well, if they if you can see the vision, and so hopefully you'll get that. Yeah, trust the process, right? Trust the process. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm glad we made it through this podcast unscathed. I thought there might be some fisticuffs because I am an instigator, and I've told you this personally. This is, you, you did, know, but I, you did well. You did well. Yeah, you I can did, put Kyle. the professional hat on when I need to. But I'm were definitely tongue- going to poke the bear. Were you tongue-in-cheek the whole time? No, I was not tongue-in-cheek yeah. because that's genuinely, yeah. when I look at it objectively, that that's my perspective. That's how I view yeah. it. Objective Kyle. That's my favorite Kyle. No. You like customer service, Kyle. I, I, <laughs> I do like customer service we, style, Kyle. We have an inside joke. Um, when we were doing NET scouting and selling draft guides, you know, there was – you know, a lot of the IT stuff had a lot of questions from our readers and I would get those questions and I'm not qualified to answer those questions. So I would <laughs> inevitably have to defer to someone else, but deferring to someone else would yield a delay in the response time. And I had to put on my customer service friendly hat and that became very overwhelming. So Joe and I uh, intimately coined the phrase customer service Kyle when I'm talking tongue in cheek because I just want to like rip my computer out the wall. Not the case today, though. It's a good show. No, you did good. You did good. Glad you guys tuned in. Uh, we we made it to the top sixty iTunes sports podcast yesterday, Joe. Yes, sir. So uh, life is good. We want the top fifty, though. We're gonna get greedy. So our challenge to you: if you're not subscribed to this podcast, we need you to subscribe to the podcast. We need the five star reviews. If you are subscribed to the podcast and you have left us a five-star review, we need your friends to subscribe to the podcast and leave us five-star reviews. Help us out. Listen, right now, I'm looking at right now as I sign off. We are 59th in the iTunes rankings. We're ahead of first draft. We're ahead of Monday Monday morning quarterback podcast. We're ahead of move the sticks. The only one we're not ahead of is locked on NFL draft. Oh, the only one we're not ahead of is locked on NFL draft where we want to take John and Trevor down and you all want to see it, too. So tell your friends, let's make this offseason great. Follow along with us. We have a lot of great stuff coming up. We have two more quarterbacks to talk about this week. We have to talk about Baker freaking Mayfield tomorrow. Are we going to get through that? Objective. Don't expect me to be objective for that one. Do you want to solo that one? Do you 40 minutes? Am I welcome on the show? <laughs> Am I welcome on tomorrow's podcast, Kyle? Yeah, you liked Baker. You're more than welcome to come. Yeah. No, and then I we're love talking fun. Lamar Jackson on Friday, which will be a fun yep. topic because you know I think there's some dynamics there, much like this one. There's more more depth to this one. It feels like because they're non traditional players. So come on back, follow along. I'm at grinding the tape. Signing off with at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Thanks for as always for listening to Drafty's podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.